0: Holy Father, come, share your heart, speak your word, cast your vision, show us what you desire, that's what we want, but we ask you and invite you by your spirit to come into our midst and that you would quicken every heart, that you would connect hearts to what you desire and that you would build in this community what you have always wanted. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I'm on a tight time leash this morning because we're doing tag team preaching, so that's always a challenge for me, for sure. It was one of the most powerful and culture-shifting speeches in American history. God had raised up a voice and a champion to challenge the nation to deal directly with the cancer of racism. That voice was Martin Luther King Jr. And that speech was given on August 28th in 1963 at the Capitol in Washington at the mall. Estimated 200,000 people heard that speech and it has come to be known as the I Have a Dream speech. For some of the younger generation, if you have not heard that, You should go to YouTube and listen to that. That's almost been 60 years now. That seems incredible to me. God raised up that man to stir the nation to action on the issue of racism. Now, we're not talking about racism specifically here this morning. How does that tie in with our vision? I have a dream. When I was researching that, I found out that Martin Luther King, in his notes that we have of that speech that he left, he never mentioned I have a dream in his notes at all. It seemed to be a spontaneous inspiration that he brought that out over and over again. I have a dream. I have a dream. Just expounding and casting the vision for what the dream was for this nation. I believe that was God's dream, this issue of racism. That was a culture changer. We still have work to do, obviously. But how that ties in with Vision Sunday is a couple of months ago, so Brandon, Dave, and I have been wrestling and praying and seeking after the Lord. Lord, what do you want in heart of the Father? It's not about what we want. It's not about what you want. It's about what you want. So show us what you want. What is your heart? What is your vision for this people and for this body? Because we want to do our very best to give you what you want. Because our existence is about giving Jesus what He wants. Not our own preferences, per se. And a couple of months ago, two mornings in a row, at 4 o'clock in the morning, I woke up and I was dreaming, and this phrase kept going around and round inside of my spirit. And the phrase was, I have a dream. I have a dream. And so I started looking into MLK's speech, listening to it, I have a dream, and what the Lord was saying And we were talking about this, and we put language to it in a brochure that you're going to get later. looks like this. Take this home and read it. There's a lot of powerful content in there, but it casts a vision for where we're going as a body. And we felt the Lord strongly saying, I have a dream for my people and specifically for Heart of the Father at this season. And we're like, Lord, what is it? Show us what it is. That's what we want. We want your dream. And so today what we want to do is to cast vision. Obviously, we can't unpack every single bit of it. There's a lot in this brochure that you're going to get in just a little bit. But we want to unpack what we believe God's dream is for this body and for us as a people. So I want to lay down just a scriptural foundation for where we're going. Because if it's not based on or built on Scripture, then it's worth very little. You, you didn't hear what I said. If, if it's not built on or based on Scripture, it's worth very little. It will not stand. The Word of God is what stands, and we have to build on that foundation or our foundation will crumble. Okay, let's build on the Word of God. So, Lord, what is your dream? If you can put up there Exodus 25, 8, and 9. I'm going to give you these Scriptures. Again, I'm on a time leash here. I promise these guys that I'm not going to eat up all the time and put them under a bad, in a bad place. Um, but want to lay these scriptures out. Exodus 25, 8 and 9. God says when he gets his people out of Egypt, one of the first things that he does is he tells Moses, he calls him in and says, I want you to build something for me. Verse 8 says, let them construct a sanctuary for me. Notice that phrase, for me, that I may dwell among them. And then the next verse, verse 9 says, according to all that I'm going to show you as the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furniture, just so you shall construct it. In other words, I want to come, my heart is that I want to come and dwell among my people. And I want you to tell them to build this tabernacle for me, but you have to do it according to the way I say it. It's not us building what we want to build and what feels good and what might entertain us. That's not the issue. The issue is God is building a house. And when you're building a house, it really doesn't matter what your visitor's like. It matters what you like. You're building it according to your own desires and your own tastes. That's what we're going after. So he says, seven times in the scripture, this is if you're a Bible numerologist, um, seven's an important number. Seven times in scripture, this phrase is repeated when he talks about the tabernacle build it exactly according to the pattern that I give you, because that's the way I want it built. And that's where I'm going to come and make my habitation wants God to come and make His habitation. All right, let's build according to the pattern that He gives in Scripture. Let me go to a couple others here. Again, we're not going to expound on these, although it's horribly tempting for me. Ephesians 2, verse 21 and 22. This is the church. This is Paul writing about what the church is, in whom, which is Christ. The whole building being fitted together is growing into what? a holy temple. We're growing into a holy temple as we're being fitted together. This speaks of relationship, obviously, in the Lord, in whom also you are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. This is what the purpose of the church universal is. We're being fitted together. We're being built together into a holy habitation for God to dwell in. That's our purpose and then first Peter 2 5, laying these down really quickly. You also, as living stones, being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Notice what the purpose of the house is. We're being fitted together, built together, so we can offer up to God spiritual sacrifices that please him. Here's the deal. This really is the deal. If we will build an atmosphere and a community where God is pleased to dwell, he will come and do all kinds of things that will blow our minds. But we can't say, well, God, I like the first five things on your blueprint, but the rest of it, eh, not so much. We need to build according to the pattern. That's what our heart is. Lord, what is your dream? What do you want to do here, and how can we give it to you? And then last verse, this is the ultimate in the end of the book of Revelation, 21, verse 3. Notice how this, from the time God gets a people out of Egypt, the first thing he says, build me a tabernacle that I may dwell among them, but you have to do it according to my pattern. Then at the end of Scripture, when the new Jerusalem comes down, there's a new heaven and a new earth, verse 3 of chapter 21 of Revelation, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. This is the ultimate dream and goal of the Father. He's bringing us to a place where we can so build together that He will come and dwell in our midst. Ultimate fulfillment of that is in the New Jerusalem when we're going to be planted like a pillar in the temple. Oh, but there is no temple because the Lamb is the temple. And so we're going to be planted in closest proximity to Him, dwelling forever in His presence fires me up. We want to build a place where God will come and inhabit. I want to read, so on this brochure, on the front it says, I have a dream. You're going to get it in just a minute. It's free. <laughs> I have a dream. And there's lots of information inside that you're going to read that cast vision for where we're going. I want to read just a few of the paragraphs out of here that we've put together, just wanting the Lord to show us and to feel what His dream is for this place. Let me paint this picture. I have a dream that our gathering together will be a place where every member will be able to express their unique deposit of grace to build up the church where every joint will actually supply something beautiful, that it would be a place where the seemingly weak and insignificant members will be valued just as much as the highly gifted people. You need to say amen to that. I have asked multiple leaders in churches and multiple other believers When Paul said that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that we give greater honor to those who seem to be the weaker and seem to be insignificant, I said, have you ever seen that actually in practice in a church? Every single person told me no. Why? God wants that. He doesn't just want to celebrate the highly gifted. Praise God for the highly gifted. That's not what we're going to build here. We want every person and the gift that's in them. So often those who feel insignificant or weak don't want to put their supply out there because they feel like it's insignificant and weak. But we need to take that. Most they are just weak and insignificant. No, everybody thinks like, what's wrong with them? I'm telling you the truth. God has a supply that is hidden in the weak and the seemingly insignificant. And we want to draw that out because you can't have the full measure of who he is if you cut that out and go, God, no, just give it to us through the highly gifted. He's like, no, that's not the way I'm going to do it. Oh, my goodness, it's so hard. All right, let me move on to the next paragraph. I have a dream that we would be a people who actually become the habitation of God, where our pursuit would not be so much to have a visitation or revival, but that God would find in our community a resting place where He can permanently and powerfully dwell with us, that we would constantly host His glorious presence and nearness, and where a move of God does not need to be brought in from the outside. Because God himself is in our midst, doing what only he can do, where we truly become a community which is lacking in no good gift. Can you say amen to that? Next paragraph. This is a miracle. I have a dream that a covenant community would be formed in which every person is bound together as living stones in a holy temple. A place where love is not in word and tongue. Hi, how are you doing? But it's more like this. Hi, how much do you need? How can I help you in your distress and in your dilemma? A place where love is not in word and tongue, but in deed and truth. Where the relationships are supernaturally deep. And where love is sacrificial and real, real love cuts and costs something. That's why it's beautiful to the Lord. We're doing it for Him. That God would so infuse us with love for each other that we would each be less concerned about our own feelings and opinions and actually have in ourselves the attitude that was in Christ Jesus, considering others. As more important than ourselves. How, how, how many want this? How many want this? Okay, we got a third, maybe a fourth. Praise God. We got two more guys coming up to bat, so we're, we're just going to keep pressing. We want to create a place, and Dave's coming up. We want to create a place where God is pleased to dwell, where we take the template that he's put out in his word, and so much of it is based around relationship with each other. I can tell you this is going to cause something to do this. It's going to be inconvenient, and it's going to be sacrificial. We're calling you to be part of this. The consumer Christianity that thrives today, we want to put a knife in its heart, in this place.
1: I want to share with you for just a few moments about a presence-centered community, referring to His presence, where God can come and be the center of all that we do and where the Holy Spirit can move any way He wants to, any way He wants to. Yes, we will study for sermons and messages and all of that, but can I tell you, when we come in here to these services It all gets put on the altar, and whatever he wants to do, he can do. Where we remember that he is our first love, and we become zealous and deeply jealous in our hearts to honor Jesus. Where our worship will continue to grow deeper and more focused on the person of Jesus Christ and exalting him. Can I tell you, we probably won't sing songs about running through the pasture with the grass and the flowers are blooming and all of those kinds of things and how the colors meant so much to us. We're probably not going to sing that song here. But rather, we're going to sing a song that lifts up the name of Jesus, that's full of his character that tells about his power and his healing grace that comes upon us where we talk about and sing about Jesus who died on the cross for every one of my sins and yours. Where we're less concerned about being personally blessed by him and more concerned about giving him the honor that is due his holy name. Our times of worship... Where, we can, where it can be an expression of the bride's heart pouring out undistracted love and adoration to Him. We're not here about singing our favorite song or your favorite song. We want to sing about Him and draw attention to Him. A place that every member in the body would increasingly take responsibility and ownership of the spiritual temperature of the corporate gathering and come spiritually built up and ready, eager and with an expectation and anticipation of what the Lord wants to accomplish in our midst. Our gatherings are not a sporting event. We're not going to file into the stands and watch whoever's on the field play. But rather, we're going to get involved and we're going to participate. I was talking with the staff the other day about the different ways that God uses each of us. And how important it is that we be obedient to what he tells us to do. Can I tell you that your gift may not always be expressed with a microphone and the stage and the spotlight? I can only tell you that there are times that the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, go back to the back section, the second row from the rear over on the end, and give that woman a word of encouragement. Can I tell you that if I wrestle with the Holy Spirit and say, well, no, that's, that's not up there on stage. That's only for her. The Holy Spirit would tell me, yeah, you're right. It is for her. And unless I obey and be obedient and go and do that, folks, it doesn't matter where, whether I think it's a great thing or a little thing. It's what the Holy Spirit feels that that person needs at that time. And how many times, myself included, uh, I'll do it after the service. And it never got done. Barry and I were out here the other day, and Barry alluded to it. We were pulling weeds. I think it was Friday. I don't think we did it yesterday. I think it was Friday. But we were pulling weeds. Don't worry, Brandon was doing something important. But he, he said to me that some of the most powerful words that he's ever received are just from average people, not highly gifted like me. Oh, just wait, I'm going to describe you too, so don't worry. Not highly intelligent like you. Not with the greatest education, like us. It's each one of us. Can I tell you, God will use you. Wants to use you. But you're going to have to be obedient. You're like the mailman. You just deliver the mail. You don't have to explain it. The mailman didn't explain anything. He just... You just go to the box and it's there. This needs to be a place where we get involved, we be involved, and we stay involved. A place where every member is fully equipped for every good work. A place where every ministry in this body, instead of taking on its own identity, becomes a dynamic connection point to the larger Hot FM community. I give you the example of a car, many parts on the car. We are those parts. Someone in here is a steering wheel. Please be the steering wheel for us. Four of you are tires. Can I tell you we need four tires, we don't need three? Some of you are wiper blades. You ever had one not work or missing in the driving rain like we had yesterday? Some of you are the latch that holds the front hood down. We're driving the speed limit. All is well. And then we hit a bump and the hood comes up because the latch bracket wasn't working properly. Some of you may be the license plate bracket that holds the license plate on. And if you don't do your job, we all have to explain it to the officer. I promise we have a license tag. I don't know where it is, but I promise we do. This morning early I had a dream. I don't I'm not a dreamer. I told God many years ago cuz They were goofy dreams. I told him if he wanted to speak to me and give me a dream, go for it. I accept it, all of that. But I don't want any of those goofy ones. So I'm not that much of a dreamer. But this morning early, probably 4 o'clock, I had a dream, and Hot FM was an aircraft carrier. And there's a lot of people on the aircraft carrier, those of you from the military or perhaps were on one, you'll know. There's a lot of people on there, and they all have their job to do. Some clean, some watch the radar for the enemy, all kinds of things. The weather, all of that. And the elders were out here where these doors were coming into the entryway, where you come in. The elders were out there with a small wagon, And one elder was holding the door open. We didn't use two doors. We only used one. One elder held the door open and the other elder was pulling on the wagon and the third elder was pushing the wagon in. One at a time. I believe that's discipleship. I believe that On this wagon was, quote, ammunition, which was you. I believe that God was saying they're coming in here one by one to be discipled, to be able to be used by God to destroy the works of the devil, to set people free, to heal those that are sick, to help stop abortion and to reach out beyond our walls. This needs to be a place where the consumer mindset is completely replaced with the mindset of delighting to serve others in the spirit of Christ who laid down his life for us. The best example is Jesus. You know, I watch TV just like you and I see these riots going on I will make this statement. It's one thing to peacefully demonstrate and have dialogue. But it's another thing to loot, steal from others, kill and destroy. Which my Bible uses those descriptions as the devil. It's he that steals, kills and destroys. Jesus is our example. Let me close with this question for you. How can we come in here and expect God to move in our gatherings if we have not allowed him to move in our personal life all week long? Let me say it again. How can we come in here and expect God to move in our gatherings if we have not allowed him to move in our personal life all week long. We have no right to ask him to move in here if you and I don't let him move in our devotional life. We have no right to ask the Holy Spirit to move in here if you and I didn't let him move in our personal prayer time with him during the week. I want to encourage you to ask God to move at your job or your school. I'm going to ask you to invite him to move in your family. I'm going to ask you to allow him to move in your own life all week long. So that when we come in here, we can't expect him to move in our gatherings. Make sure that each of us allow him to move in our personal life all week long. Then, when we come together corporately, he will be comfortable and at liberty to move the way he wants to. It's called living in relationship with him, it's called living in a presence centered lifestyle. Brandon?
2: Morning for the third time. I'm humbled, I'm honored to be partnering with Dave and Barry to help cast vision for the church of Jesus Christ. As I've been wrestling with God, I just keep coming back to Lord, these are your people, and you get to do what you want to do. Your people do not belong to the elders, your people do not belong to a man, but they belong to the man, Christ Jesus. And so as I stand before you here today, my heart and my spirit really is humbled. It really is an honor to do something like this for the Lord, that this is his eternal word and his eternal spirit, and to cast vision, I feel so insufficient to do this. And so as I try to explain some things, I will fall extremely short. I will. I won't be able to do this, as Barry talked about covenant community and Dave, a present centered community, I'm going to talk about the third aspect that I believe the Lord is calling us into, that he's calling our attention to. But first, I want to read from what you will get here in just a moment. I have a dream for the church, which is Christ's body, that she would become the spotless bride with a heart and eyes only for Jesus, that she would cherish In her heart, one controlling passion and vision, that Jesus Christ would have first place, supremacy and preeminence in everything, that all of our efforts and pursuits would be primarily to give him what he wants, instead of fixating on getting him to give us what we want. What does God want? We've been pondering that question for several months. And I've been looking in the word and saying, God, what do you want? There's so many things that he wants. He wants you. He wants me. He wants the lost. He wants the broken. He wants those who are far away. He wants those who are near. There's so many things that we could have a list of a thousand things that God wants. But the one thing I want to point out to us today is that God wants a community where Jesus can fill all things. God wants a community where Jesus can fill all things. In Ephesians 4.10, it says, The one who descended is the one who ascended far above the heavens, so that he may fill all things. Habakkuk 2.14 it says, the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Isaiah 6, he says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The earth is full of his glory. God wants a place where he can fill. He could fill you. He could fill me with his presence, with his power, with his spirit, with his word. I have a dream that, he, that the real reason for our corporate existence as a church would be that he would fill all things with himself, that nothing and no one would be celebrated and delighted in above him or instead of him, but that every heart would thoroughly hollow him, and that Jesus would be rightly treasured and fully honored in everything and in every way. The word fill means to richly furbish. God is looking at you and he's looking at me and he's saying, I want to come and I want to richly furbish your life with my presence, with my spirit, with my word. Is your life richly furbished with God? And here's the thing. Before God can fill the earth with his glory and with himself, he starts in his church. That he's going to start here in our community. He's going to touch every single life. No life is insignificant to them. He will walk past every single one of us to touch us and breathe upon us. That we be filled with the power of God. The church will be filled with his glory. And how I know this is true is because what you see going on in the world around us, I ask myself, God, how can you do that? How are you going to do this? How are you going to fill the earth with, your, with the knowledge of your son, with the glory of your son? I don't know how he's going to do it. Therefore, I know he will do it. He will do it. It's in his word. He said he would do it. He's going to. I mean, think about this. The church vision. Jesus has first place. That's our vision. He has preeminence. He's our all in all. He's our everything. If you're looking for a a step list, do one, two, three. We don't have it. It's Jesus. Christ, the wisdom of God. Christ, the power of God. We only want to know him and him crucified. And yes, we'll add more language to that, but we have to get that. Christ, first place. So my question for us is, what does God filling all things look like? What does it look like when he fills all things? Ephesians 4 Verse 16, verse 15 and 16, it says, But speaking the truth in love, that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for edifying of itself in love. What does it look like when God fills all things It looks like his body actually being alive. It looks like the church being alive. You and me, every joint supplying, every part doing its share. When God comes to fill, you actually become alive in Christ Jesus. No, no, brother, we need the pastor, we need so-and-so to lay hands on us, and then we'll be free, and then we'll be alive. No, you need Christ Jesus to touch you. So if you're looking at the elders to do the vision and to make everything work and run, you will be severely disappointed because my Bible says that when fullness comes, the body actually becomes the body. Every hand, every foot, every ear, every eye, everything in the body is full functioning. So if you're not functioning in your grace and in your gifting, we're not fully alive. If you don't want to put in your supply, if you don't want to come and be a part of fellowship and community and dialoguing about the word and prayer, if you don't want to do that, we won't be fully alive. We will fall short. So no longer can we look to a man with the mic and on the stage to make everything happen. It's actually the responsibility is put on you and me. God filling all things looks like every member functioning in the grace and gift of God within them so that we would actually be the fullness of Christ who fills all in all. Ephesians 1 says that the body is the fullness of Christ. The fullness of him. That's what we want. What else does this look like? Practically, it looks like in the latter part of this year on Wednesday nights, we're going to be teaching and training on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're going to have you all take a gifts test to see what grace is upon you so that we can, we can help impart what the Lord wants to impart into you and also draw out what's inside of you so that it can be expressed in this body. It's just not looking at leaders, once again, not looking at us and expecting and waiting for us to do something. But it's what's inside of you actually coming alive. It looks like training and equipping We're talking about how to utilize that side of the building, having classes, having training sessions, calling upon the fathers and the mothers to begin to teach and disciple. It looks like something. It looks like rubbing shoulders together, doing life together, every joint supplying. But here's what it's going to take. It's going to take a couple things. The first thing, what it's going to take, it's going to take something called maturity. When Christ comes to fill you and me, that means we actually have to grow up. It means we have to mature. It means we have to lay down our agenda and receive and accept His agenda it means we have to actually honor leadership not worship leadership honor leadership whomever that is in your life but it looks like it looks like maturity growing up in the lord i read a story this weekend that was really powerful and i think it helps illustrate what i'm trying to communicate there's a pastor here in Florida, pastors of mega church, and he had an encounter with the Lord, and it totally changed the directory of his ministry. And he shares this encounter, and here's what he says. He says the Lord began to ask him, this pastor, to do things that his training and thinking told him he sh- that his training and thinking told him should not be done on Sunday mornings. They were simple things. The turning point. Of one of these things was on a Sunday morning amid a packed house. The pastor recalls the Lord saying, there are people in here contemplating suicide, and I want to call them down front. Don't let people leave without calling them down front. The pastor instantly went into church growth mode. This is not the right environment for that. What if this is a wife and she's with her husband and gets up in front of thousands of people and that's embarrassing and that could cause shame? It's not the right environment. And the pastor says he'll never forget what the Lord asked him. The Lord asked this pastor, whose environment is this? And the pastor said, it was really humbling so he called for anyone struggling with depression and suicide to come down front so they could be set free. No one moved. Great, thought the pastor. I've made God look bad and I've made myself look bad. And then all of a sudden, a girl way in the back, at the top of the building, moved and made her way down. And when she got to the floor, 200 people got up and joined her at the altar for those who were struggling with suicidal thoughts, that's what we want here. You ask us whose environment is this? This is God's environment, this is His church. That's why He is first place, He has preeminence, He has supremacy. That's why He's going to fill all things because He knows He's first place here. When Jesus Christ knows He's first place in a specific location or in someone's heart, He fills. He does that. And so to God, be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. All right, so what we're going to do now, if I can have the ushers come forward, we are going to pass out. this program to you, the vision program. So give us, bear with us a minute or two as we pass these around. And as they're doing that, you probably have seen, we have a new shirt that's in the lobby for sale for $10. Giving God what he wants is on the front, on the back, so that he may fill all things with himself. So you can grab one of those after service. Also, if you check out Connection Central, you're going to, as you guys begin to pass those out, if you check out Connection Central, you're gonna have there's a wall there that says Connect, and there on the wall we have all of our ministries along with the ministry leader on a Connect card here. So you can see when they meet, what they do, what the ministry is about, and you can serve, you can be a part of that ministry. This one I have here is Sunday morning prayer with Marie. Okay, so as you're getting those, if you could just bear with us and do not begin reading the whole thing. Okay, we're going to go through it. I know it's hard to read, but the, the middle part there, the vision por- portion of this brochure, if you could read that at home, that would be great, okay, because we're going to move on. We're not going to go through and read all of this. But w- that's your homework for today is to go home and to read it. We want you to underline things, highlight things, mark things. We want this vision to be inside of you just as much as as it's inside of us. And so, okay, so on the front, as you see, I have a dream. And as you open it up, you see on the outer skirts of both pages what we value. And so if you've been here for quite some time, you know previously there were three things we valued. Encountering Jesus, maturing disciples, and impacting culture. Those are still values here. We've just expanded a little bit. Is that all right? So if you're saying you guys don't want to encounter Jesus anymore, well, look at number two, presence-centered community. You may say, well, I thought you guys make disciples. You guys used to do that. Look at number six, discipling. Look at number four, training and equipping. You say, hey, well, you used to do, you know, impact culture, outreach. Well, look at number seven, evangelistic community. And so these are things that we value. We value, number three, the Word of God. And Dave and Barry hit number one and two. We value, number four, training and equipping. We value prayer. We want a prayer-saturated community. We value discipleship, and we, and we value evangelism and outreach. And if you look on the backside of it, you will see just a, a personal letter from us elders You can also read that when you get home. And the insert. So on the insert, if you look on the side where it says what we believe God is calling our attention to, that's what we just hit on briefly. Barry talked about covenant community. And Dave, presence-centered. And myself, a community where Jesus fills all things. And so we envision a presence-centered, a covenant community where Jesus fills all things with himself. This is what you're signing up for. If you want to be here at Heart of the Father, we're asking everyone to jump into this. Now, on the back side, the call to action. This is where you sign the dotted line. It's easy to talk vision, talk about what we're going to do, what the Lord's doing, what God's doing in my life, what we foresee in the future, that's all exciting. That's all fun. It's like going to, look, going to uh, buy a new car. It's, it's great looking at new cars. They're pretty, they're shiny. But it gets real when you put your name on the dotted line. So this is where you're going to put your name on the dotted line. This is a call to action. We want every member who feels called to this community to jump in with us, to move along with us, to, Move forward and what we believe God is calling us forward into. And so we're going to hit these five things on how you can live the dream of God's heart. So, Barry, as you make your way up here, I'm going to hit number one and two. Barry's going to hit three, four, and five. So, number one, be intentional about connecting. Because the type of relationships that Jesus died to create in his body are supernaturally deep, they won't happen by accident or just by human chemistry. Let's be intentional about asking the Holy Spirit to spiritually connect us with his people and build individual relationships beyond our comfort zones. Everyone say comfort zone. You're going to have to take that down, just a little precursor. But here's the thing. Let's be intentional about connecting and building relationships. In other words, don't wait for leadership to give you permission To be human beings, to be lovers of Jesus, and to fellowship and to hang out with each other. If you're waiting on us to do everything and to schedule your agenda and to look at your planner and say you should meet with so-and-so on this, that's not going to happen. Okay, we want to encourage you: be the body. Be the body. A couple ways to connect. So some of you may say, well, hey, we're new here. We're married. And when you come in on a Sunday morning, it's pretty overwhelming to see all these people in here. How do you connect? Well, I would encourage you, come to married group. You probably, you probably have anywhere from 15 couples to 30 couples who go to married group. That's a lot smaller venue to be able to connect. To have a conversation with someone versus coming in here on Sunday or coming on Wednesday and it's a bigger crowd, that can be somewhat challenging. Also, we're going to start summer nights in a couple of weeks after we finish the Conquer series. So if you're saying, I don't know how to connect, I don't know what to do, we're going to have summer nights where each Wednesday night, Around 6 or 6.30, we're going to have a meal together and we'll just do fun things together. We'll have games, we'll have certain activities, but we're going to focus on building relationships with each other and just kind of hanging out together here at the church or maybe out where, somewhere else. So mark down for summer nights. Another way to connect is through serving. So each ministry we have here, we encourage the leaders of our ministries to stay involved in the lives of those whom they are serving with. So, for example, the worship team, we, Allison and the team, they will meet usually once a month. It's a hangout session where they gather together at our house or someone on her team's house. So it's really helpful when you're part of a ministry where you serve so that you can actually build relationships with people. Number two, be honoring. We hit this just a little bit. Since the supply of Christ for his body flows through each member, let us value And celebrate every member for the deposit of Jesus they carry, remembering that He said, In those members of the body we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. I want to say this that every person, every son or daughter of Jesus, you have a seat at the table. We honor the gifting and the grace upon you. We value and we celebrate with you. I want us to be a community where we learn to celebrate for others. Where I know we may have a difficult season we're living in, but we are going to celebrate, we're going to rejoice in people's victories, and we're going to honor them. We're going to humble ourselves before them and lift them up so that God can receive glory for every single individual, whether weak or small. And what, what would it look like if we tried to find the least honorable person in here and we bestowed great honor on them? What would that look like? Instead of everyone coming to the front and wanting to meet the speaker and the pastor and all this stuff, let's find the ones who are, who are hiding out, who don't want any recognition, and let's honor them. Because the same gift and grace that's on leadership is the same gift and grace on the people of God. So be intentional about connecting and be honoring to one another. Barry?
0: How's everybody doing? You guys got me? There we go. All right, number three, if you're looking at your, your sheet there, this is huge. Be prepared. In our corporate gatherings, Jesus delights to show himself through all of his people. So let us not just expect that others who are more gifted will come and create a spiritual atmosphere for God to move freely. This is huge. Let us come to the gathering spiritually built up and ready to put in our supply. When you assemble, this is the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul in 1 Corinthians 14. When you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue has an interpretation. So we each have something of grace to offer to build up the body. Can I tell you something? We don't come to church to get edified and built up primarily. We we do that in our personal life. We come to church. Paul's theology of church is that we go there to be a blessing and to pour out and build up the other members of the body. I know that's not our American paradigm, but it's the biblical one. So let's throw out the American paradigm, and let's embrace the biblical one. Here's what I mean. If, if you come to service and we see that you still have bedhead when you walk in, we know you're probably not spiritually edified and ready to give out something. You just rolled out of bed 10 minutes late and you're like, okay? So let's be intentional about serious. Now, this is huge. You want to know what the difference between an average church service and a revival conference service is? The people at a revival conference service have come from out of state, paid money, sacrificed, gone out of their comfort zone because of anticipation of God and what He's going to do there. That kind of dynamic, when everybody comes with some of that, it's explosive, It's like gasoline fumes around a lighter. It's explosive. That's the difference between a normal church service and a conference revival service where you God was really moving that. There's a reason. Because we're the body. We're the temple that houses him. And so if we come spiritually built up, spend some time in the presence of the Lord, just encouraging you. Before service, come spiritually built up and edified and ready. Remember, your job description in coming to church is not to come and get blessed, although that often happens as a byproduct. It's to come and to be a blessing and to pour out. That's the biblical model. If we could all embrace that, everything would change. I tell our core group, there's enough spiritual power in this room to control the spiritual atmosphere of every service we have, everyone. If we come ready... What would happen if everybody in these seats came actually ready, not just waiting for somebody else to do something for them and to be blessed by the presence of God? We love to be blessed by the presence of God. That's a byproduct. When we gather together, Paul says, let everything, everything, everything be done for edification to build up somebody else. If we could embrace that and change our mindset to where the reason why we're coming it's not because we like the style of worship or we like this or that. It's because we are part of a body and we're supposed to build up and inject the life of Jesus into that body in that moment. Be prepared. I'm telling you, this makes all the difference in the spiritual atmosphere in every service. Four, be equipped and positioned. At Heart of the Father ministry, we're very focused on and committed to providing classes to help train and equip each member of this family so we want to help you as much as we can to equip every member to be able to express your gifting in a right and a full way. So we're going, again, Brandon mentioned we're going to have classes, lots of different um, venues to help to for you to explore and to understand what your gifting is and your grace and also to be able to express it in a right way, Okay in order for them to recognize the kingdom giftings inside and to learn how to find their place and be able to most effectively express the deposit of Jesus in them. And then last, number five, this is what we're asking you to to buy into this vision. Because here's the deal. One or two people, you might be able to see gifting happen and have a move of God, but it will never be what the dream of God's heart is. The dream of God's heart for his body is not that there's three or four or ten or twelve really gifted people that wow everybody. We go, oh my gosh, that was amazing. That's not the dream of God for his body. The dream of God for his body is that every, even the weakest and the least, is expressing the life of Jesus in that body. And when everybody comes, I tell couples in premarital counseling all the time, marriage is like A pool. And you have to decide at the beginning if you're going to be a supply line or a drain pipe. And if you get two drain pipes together in a marriage, you've got problems. But if you can get two people together in a marriage that are both determined they're going to be supply lines and they're going to be a blessing and they're going to put in and invest and invest and pour in, you know what you have? You have a flood! Flood! <laughs> And your kids will feel it every day of their life. And people around you will feel it. There's an overflow from that relationship. It's the same in church. If we have 90% supply lines and only 10% drain pipes, it would be phenomenal. It would be phenomenal. The kingdom would come on earth. Don't get me started. What Jesus is calling for in this body will take the full commitment. This is number five. Be all in from all of us. Comfort zones and convenience will need to be regularly sacrificed. Raise your hand if you sign up for that. Okay, it's not very many. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. Comfort zones and convenience will need to be regularly sacrificed. That's what love means. I'm preaching now, but the Bible says, by this we know what love is. How is that? It feels so warm and fuzzy. No. By this we know what love is, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought also to lay down our lives for each other. That's what love is. That's outside of the comfort zone. Of all the descriptions you could give of the cross, I don't believe Jesus would have ever put comfort zone in there. Come on, you guys are quiet. (laughs) Biblical love is rarely convenient or comfortable. We believe this is a dream whose fulfillment is worthy of our greatest effort. I was talking to the brothers, and Dave's coming up. I was talking to Dave and Brandon. Hey, guys, you know, this isn't a mutual admiration club, but I just want to say I love these guys. I love them. I believe that I would take a bullet for them. I do, and I believe they would for me. I love them a lot. But I was telling them, you know what? I've just been pondering and wrestling with this, like this vision I believe with all my heart and soul, it's of the Lord. And I have to ask myself, am I willing to lay down everything for this? I really wrestle with that, honestly. Am I willing to lay down everything for this? And I decided that my answer is yes. This is how I'm going to go into glory. However many years God's given me, I'm going to fight and strive, pray and cry, love and give until there's nothing left in pursuit of this. Why? Because that's what I was made for. We were made to give God what He wants. I believe He wants this. I'm asking you to sign up and to be part of this community, be part of what God is about to do here. I believe it's explosive.